you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the man himself, Adam Anderson. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much. And I do love being referred to as the man himself. That is all I need to make <laughs> me have a smile the rest of the day. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Despite being the man himself, um, <laughs> there's a few people around the globe that probably don't know who you are. Would you mind doing a quick introduction so people know a little bit about your dark history and so on? Absolutely. So um, for the last 22 years, I have been a uh, cybersecurity tech entrepreneur. Um, and I have launched about 22 companies. I've sold one. I've scaled a few. I've had a lot more failures than I've had success. Um, and actually, my first company was wildly successful. So it made me think I knew what I was doing. And turns out I was super lucky. And so I used the next 20 years to really, you know, get a street MBA, really learn by doing. Um, and it, my, my, my big conclusion, uh, which is why I'm just thrilled that we can talk today, is 100% of my mistakes have been around human beings, but also 100% of my wins have been around human beings. And that all comes down to, you know, leadership and management. So, yeah, I've, I've created a couple books. I've, uh, I've, been on a whole bunch of uh, um, news sources, but at the end of the day, my favorite thing in the world is to talk to people who love entrepreneurship, love business, and love the idea of uh, you know making the most of the people that are in their companies. Fantastic. Well, it's going to be some show for the audience, so that is fantastic. That is fantastic. So, Adam, you have had a lot of ups and downs, like all of us. What's been what's been the biggest op you've had? I mean, you mentioned your first company went really well, but what what's sort of the thing you you've you've done or you have achieved that you're most proud of? Well, I should say the fact that I'm still married and I have wonderful children. I know that is what I should say, and I do believe that it really is. Uh, I, I think being a dad and a husband is my my favorite job, but. I would be lying to say I wasn't super proud of the lives that I have helped craft. Um, it turns out when I reflect on, on all the things that I've done, the things that make me smile the most is when I've seen a young man or woman who was just getting started in the world um, participate in one of my companies and then leave the company either because I've left the company or they've moved on far superior than when they got there. And, you know, the, the, I can think of a lot of these examples. Um, with my first cybersecurity company, what I ended up doing was I opened an internet cafe where young people could come and get internet access, play video games, things like that. And I met a lot of 19 and 20 year olds who um, were just really good with technology. And I ended up hiring about five of them as a core cybersecurity consultant um, practice. And over the course of three years, grew them into six-figure, $150,000 a year uh, guys uh, by the time they were 23 years old, 22 years old. Uh, and it really makes my heart feel good knowing that um, me doing the things that I did gave these guys the opportunity to, to create those kind of lives for themselves. 
I absolutely love it. I think we have a lot more in common than uh, I originally knew. So that's awesome. I uh, actually, with my outsourcing business that I started in the Philippines, I had a very, very similar experience. So I, I love developing people and mm-hmm. really see them grow. I mean, a lot of people, you know, when you, when you give them opportunities and so on, you know, some people thrive and some people just don't pick up the stick and, and go with it. But I think uh, yeah, in my business, I've had, Two, two guys that I hired basically right around the time when we started that really just have done amazingly. And, you know, they've, they've literally gone from being 18-year-olds with no education till uh, managing 60 people, et cetera. That's uh, and that's, I, I love seeing that growth. And then, honestly, that's what I love the most about management. And that's why I'm so excited about management in general because exactly as you said, the ability to actually influence people's life and the future and so on. Well, uh, let me unpack that a little bit because what you're, you're touching on is fantastic because we really do impact their lives. Um, I do have uh, an example of how I actually did that negatively, right? So yep. that same group of guys. Now, I had just come from IBM. I quit IBM. I said, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to start my own company and I will never make a company that's like IBM. I thought that meant I had to build a young party company where, you know, we have, you know, kegerators in the office. I fired HR because uh, the young lady said that I was liable for, and I was like, you're not the boss of me. I'm a young entrepreneur. Get out of here, HR. We're having beer. We're doing all this stuff. Um, Every single company event had something to do with uh, like a lake house or going skiing and alcohol was there. And, And one of the gentlemen who I love very, very much, uh, uh, we lost him, not, not through death, but he developed a alcohol addiction and I, you know, he owns his own journey, but I created a constant environment that I thought was a healthy culture of we're not IBM. We're not stuffy corporate. And I had a young man who was brilliant, who kind of self-destructed after about six years. Um, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting that the thing that I can be most proud of also is mixed with some of the things that give me the most shame, which is when I didn't nurture the young people in the right way, when I thought I was doing a good job, but you come back and you have so much disproportionate impact and authority over people that you may not even think of it. It's a, it's a heavy, it's a heavy responsibility to lead people and, and, uh, so that's why I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast and you're, you're getting the message out. It's just like, you, this is a real thing you have to spend a lot of time thinking about. Yep, definitely, definitely. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a story that, you know, many people can relate to in one way or another because when you manage people, right, it's not just, I mean, you, you become responsible for their fate in many ways, right? Because mm-hmm. just as many, I mean, I, I see a lot of people who are actually doing the opposite and, and not on purpose, but, you know, they, they get brilliant people, they put them into jobs where they're being micromanaged or, mm-hmm. you know, they're not being developed and so on and so forth. And what happens is that, you know, over the years, they, they don't leave because, you know, people want to have a job and so on, but they don't leave. But they actually, the, the development just stops. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the long game, exactly as you said, like, if you have someone with a lot of potential who actually get their potential ruined because of how you manage them. Oh, yeah. For me, 
for me, that's also a big, like that's something I think about a lot because mm-hmm. I think fundamentally it's, it's one of those things that it's one of the things that most entrepreneurs do just because particularly in the tech space, just because so many are super detail oriented and yes. they're so keen on, you know, having everything perfect and, and because they don't have the management experience, which, which is what I love talking about, really they end up in situations where they, not on purpose, but, but accidentally end up actually ruining people who could have a much better career if they had been managed differently. Right. Yeah. How heavy is that? Right. Come on. How, Oh, it, that's, that's scary stuff, but it's all, but I think that this is the, the, that kind of energy where you have the ability to rise somebody up or to hold them back. I mean, that's the, that's the position I want to be in because I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to take it seriously. Um, you know, I, I want to be in that role. It's just, it has to be a constant uh, learning experience for the manager, right? You, you have, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your company, you owe it to your people to be constantly growing and constantly, uh, you know, nurturing yourself so that you can better nurture others. Yeah. And actually one, one of the things I, <laughs> I say very, very frequently is the fact that I feel when, when people learn the power of personal development, I, I believe it's a fundamental thing that you really, I mean, when you understand it, you have to share that with people, right? Without a doubt. And I, I think that's what, when I look at it, when I look at the stuff that I work with directly and so on, like that's, for me, that's the key thing, right? Because if, if, if you can teach people personal development, if you can teach them that they're responsible for their own faith, I mean, really you give them the tools to do whatever they want to do. Right. And, and most people, I mean, I have a big outsourcing company in the Philippines and, you know, a, a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, but you know, we're poor and, and it's the same in the U S right. Like people have all these excuses everywhere. And yeah. the, the, the thing is, it's not about excuses, right? Everyone have opportunity. And I, I don't care if you're man, woman, you know, black yep. or blue or orange or whatever, like in the end of the day, everyone have opportunities. Now, sitting down and complaining of what's not going your way is never ever going to help. But what is going to help if you actually doing what you can to be the best version of yourself and, you know, whatever happens around you outside that is what it is. Right. And that's mm-hmm. like, you, you can influence what you do. And yeah. And anyway, those, those are the kind of people we want in our company, right? I exactly. mean, those, those are the people that you can build empires with. It's the ones that you have to drag up the hill and, and, and I guess there's a perception issue there as well with the manager. Am I teaching somebody or am I dragging somebody? Because sometimes we can over nurture. And I know that when, you know, I've had companies that grow, I have put people I really, really loved into leadership positions only to realize that I took them right away from what they were good at. Right. Okay. You, you, you're a, you're a fantastic cybersecurity technician and project manager. You should also now be a manager of human beings. Oh crap! You literally have none of those skill sets, and I just put you up to fail. There was a there was a joke that um, if you want to get fired, have Adam put you as a president of one of his companies because without fail, I would set these guys up, and uh, in a year they wouldn't be producing, and so I would go and, and mess with things. So it's a uh, I don't know. It's it's so cool that it's so complex, but it's uh, yeah. You, you can. Yeah, it, you can it, it, 
It's it's really interesting, right? Because you you always have these old saying that you know the best sales guy doesn't make the best sales manager and all that sort mm-hmm, of stuff. And mm-hmm. exactly to your point, like that that is correct. However, my experience and still limited, but uh, but my experience is that if someone can learn to be super fantastic at cybersecurity, they can also learn management, right? The problem is often if they start from ground zero and you expect them to deliver a ton from day one, that can be difficult. But for me, the, the way I look at it is, and, and I do this with everyone, like anyone that shows an interest in leadership and management, like I, I always try and, and push them and I always try and, you know, start the learning early because for a lot of people, it's not something you just pick up in five minutes, right? Like no. as we've said, it's complex. Yeah. So, so the, the, the earlier you start, I, I fundamentally believe everyone can be a manager um, if they really want to. I so. agree. The, the, the problem that I came up with early on in my career was I was a self-starting entrepreneur who figured things out. And yeah. I assumed literally everyone else on the planet was that same person. So when I was when transition began where you know people want stepped into management or stepped into leadership i thought i was doing them a favor by completely abandoning them and letting them create their own systems and figure it out on their own because that's how i did it and lo and behold we are kind of strange people (laughs) not everyone is programmed like an entrepreneur or a business owner and uh it was a real eye-opener that how people learn management and leadership um, really is a unique uh, journey for each person. And that's why I like going back to your, your comment around, you know, self-awareness is that when they begin to do uh, self-work and really, but the punchline is if you don't give that person enough time and you don't nurture them in the right way, you can set them up to fail and set up your company to fail by moving too quickly. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And, that, and that's, I think, I think this is one of the, one of the things that I'm always super keen on is, is having frequent one-to-ones with your staff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really building strong relationships and so on. And I, I think fundamentally, I mean, that like getting in early and really, really looking to people and, and in terms of performance, but also really just building that strong relationship with them from my experience is one of the, the best ways to actually build that sort of future future situation where you know people are performing and they are delivering and they they learn the things they need to learn and so on but uh, it, it's definitely not easy it's definitely not easy but that's why it's fun <laughs> absolutely As they say if anyone could do it they would but uh, yeah yeah yep. one of the the things i i find interesting uh, is when you're learning to manage managers like when you have human uh, a, a chain of command where you don't directly interface with everybody in your company anymore, yep. um, managing through people, that was a skill set that I had to really develop. And that took a long time. Um, but I, I think that if when you look at a business's growth, I think that the entrepreneurials, uh, the entrepreneur and business owners, um, mental resilience is the most important thing. And then the ability to learn to work through people rather than do the work yourself. Those yeah. are the two big challenges. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And that's, it's probably, I, I would say 
I, I kind of look at it like there's the sort of three main challenges you go through, right? So the first challenge you go through is when you hire the first people and you have to manage people the first time. That's mm -hmm. definitely a big challenge, right? The second challenge that most people bump into is, is that kind of challenge where you're moving into a role where, you know, you're, you're multiple levels away from your staff. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's another, there's kind of a third step when you actually are totally removed from the business. I, I see a lot of people really struggling in that last step as well. Uh, right. The benefit usually in the last step is that you usually have a fairly successful business at that stage. So it's not as, it's not something that impacts the business as much necessarily, but it in, impacts the individual a lot in my experience. Yeah. When I remember, so my first company I had for 13 years, um, about four years before I sold it, I fired myself and I disappeared. So I had um, leadership teams and professional management running my company. Now, when I left it, the company was doing around 3.4 million a year. Pretty solid. We were on a, a good 20% growth. What happened is when I walked away, um, it went the other direction. And so by the time I sold it, I only uh, was doing about 2.4 million in revenue a year. And... Um, and there was a huge identity crisis for me because I began to resent my leadership team because people stopped calling me. I wasn't the cool guy anymore. I was the business owner, but the CEO and the president get all the attention. And I, I can completely resonate with what you just said, that that third step where you are stepping away from the company and the company is running for you. That is a really, really weird thing because it's like a micro retirement, but you don't get to put down any of the emotional stress. All of it is still sitting on your shoulders because your income is still tied to the company. Your, your, your security is still tied to the company. Your identity is still tied to the company, but you just took away almost all of your control. And uh, so you really have to, to, to have a new skill set to manage the company through managing the one or two core leaders because you don't want to jump in between them and go mess with stuff. You're, you just totally take their power away if you do that. But man, I resonate with what you just said. That, that is probably one of the hardest parts of my entrepreneurial journey was having my first company under professional management and trying to figure out how to, to live life like that. And, and exactly as you said, right? Like that step of stepping out and then, like, I see so many people who try and do it and they keep stepping back in, they keep jumping back in. And even if they're technically only board or their only owner, but they have a CEO, like, they keep jumping in. And, and not just at the high level, like, they keep fucking jumping in. And <laughs> pardon my language, they keep jumping in even at, you know, some lower level stuff. And they're like, very often, it, exactly as you said, what happens is they have way too much time on their hand. They're sitting twiddling their thumbs and they're like, oh, I, I could do something. I could look at this and I could look at that. But, but you need to be so disciplined because exactly as you say, if you keep going back in, you're, you're basically just eliminating the, the, the real responsibility to, you have given to people. Well, I, I, uh, I had a conversation about this very topic with Richard Branson. So after we sold the, the company, I spent $50,000 and took my wife and I to uh, go hang out on Necker Island with 30 other people. And I actually got to sit down with Richard for about 30, 45 minutes. And I said, and this was the topic of conversation. 
It's like, Reggie, you have a lot of companies. I have companies, but less. What do you do after you stand something up? It's under professional management and it's time for you to go to the next thing. He said, oh, Adam, well, the, the first thing I do is I go right back into the company that's working completely well and I muck everything up for about another two years until they can finally get rid of me. I'm like, oh, great. Everybody does this. That is, it's, a, it's a normal behavior to love something so much, to build it, and then to have a hard time walking away. Because honestly, we wouldn't have done the thing if we didn't care about it in the first place, right? Exactly. Yep. Excellent. Well, that sounds like an exciting trip to Nick Island. Oh, I, what was I, that I like? Suggested. Oh, it was, so, it was so good. It was so good. Um, we, it was for courageous uh, leadership, actually, courageous conversations in leadership. And so uh, we went with Virgin Unite. It was a nonprofit um, for the, the Virgin Group. And the whole purpose was to raise money for the nonprofit missions around uh, Virgin Unite. But they had amazing speakers. So I got to listen to Martin Luther King III talk about loving people who hate you. I got to listen to President Santos of Colombia talk about how he won the 2018 Nobel Peace Prize, um, which is an amazing story. Fun fact, um, I later played beach volleyball against uh, a former president of a country and did my very, very best to spike the ball on him. But that man is wily and he is fast and I am not as good as I thought I was. So anyway, I, that, that's a, that is a different story for a different time, but it is, sure. it is fantastic. Uh, and what I learned, and, and, and this is appropriate for management and leadership, who you surround yourself with, where you, what you put in your ears, what kind of conversations you have with people are going to set the trajectory on, on your life and, and how you believe. Right. And so to me, there's nothing more important than continuously upping my game, hanging out with people who've been there, done that, who've had, you know, the war stories and sometimes literally the war stories and the scars to say, this is how me and a group of other human beings did this amazing thing. And uh, so the Necker Island trip is something that we are going to make a, a, a ritual. We're going to go every year for the, you know, foreseeable future. Well, we didn't go this year because of COVID, but the, uh, it, it's, it's something that, that I, I value more than pretty much anything else is surrounding myself with people who can help you think differently and up your game. Yeah, I love it. And, and I mean, it's so common, right? You, you see so many people talk about it. And I, I think the challenge for entrepreneurs is that I think most entrepreneurs and smaller business owners, at least, they don't like they understand networking and so on. But they like a lot of people, they don't they don't get how to do it. Like they don't mm -hmm. get how to build the relationships and so on. And um, I mean, uh, I'm in a, in a bunch of different communities where where. I meet a lot of amazing people, but you know, the way you're saying it, like constantly up your game and constantly look for not necessarily better. I don't necessarily like the term better people, but sure. pe people who have done things that, you know, you aspire to do and people who have done things that you can learn from. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, so, when you get, you get to that point where your company is kind of running and you go to the office or you, you sit down at the laptop and you think, Oh, what do I do here? 
what am I supposed to be doing here? Because think you've got your systems in place, people are doing their jobs, and then you kind you kind of do one or two things. You move into tinker mode where you try to improve systems and scale and da da da. But if you have the right people in place, then that really doesn't take too much time. And so I made the decision that as the business owner, my most important job was to increase my network so that when my people had a problem or my salespeople wanted a connection, I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. So I took my professional network growth as the responsibility of the business owner that nobody else could do. And it has, um, you know, now that I say that out loud, it's probably one of the most fundamental things that has caused me to continue to have good opportunities is that I find myself in the right rooms talking to the right people because I worked to get there for the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And it's the whole, it's the whole thing with being quote lucky, right? It's, (laughs) it's, you you only get lucky if you're in the right place at the right time. You rarely get lucky sitting at home on the couch watching TV. It's never happened uh, on the couch. I keep waiting. I mean, I can see my couch from where I'm sitting. I'm just the most unlucky couch. No, you're absolutely right. You have to get out and do the thing. And it, I mean, it's, it's super relevant as well for for me. Like I, I built my, my coaching business. I've, literally have no marketing skills and I suck at sales and all that good stuff, but I literally built my coaching business just on the back of networking. Right. Like yep. I've, I, I learned early on, like I, I learned management very early, but I, I, I really caught on to the fact that, you know, if you want to grow in company, you, you need to, you, you need to network, right. It's, it's what business is around, even in like corporate companies. I spent many years with IBM, for example. Right. And, and, uh, I, I think in probably in six years, I probably had ended up doing seven different jobs because you know right. I, I worked well with people and and as long as you attach yourself to others who are doing really well and above you, you know that they, they kind of if you're performing well, they they'll drag you with them up the up the chain and yep, like the networking game is just so critically important, right? Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about that right now because you know, what, what we would do is we go network and that means face to face and networking opportunities while travel is locked down. Uh, and so I, I, it is, it doesn't really happen. So I have figured out a trick and the trick is I have gone out and joined nonprofit communities as board of advisory, or I'm serving communities that are doing things and I've replaced the typical networking I was going to do with becoming attached to a group where I wanted to network with the board of advisors and boards of directors. So for my example, I joined a nonprofit called space for humanity and everybody who I would want to network with are on their board of advisors and board of directors and they're doing really cool things. And, uh, you know, I got to watch the, the, the Mars launch on a Zoom call with, uh, you know, a couple astronauts and Bill Nye, the science guy, because I volunteered my time and that got me into cool networks. So, you know, I don't know if anyone is struggling like I was to try to get connected with new groups of people and the and new groups of networks. But the idea of leading with a service mentality, how do I show up? at an organization or an event or a thing like that. And how do I help the people who I'm interacting with that leads to the kind of experience I think you're talking about where 
people naturally begin to trust you and they, they seek you, your counsel and you, you begin to get lucky. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. And, and again, hundred percent. So when, when I worked uh, corporate with IBM, I, I lived in the UK and the, it was exactly what I did. So like in the area I lived, there wasn't like a ton of networking opportunities and events and stuff. But basically what I ended up doing was doing a lot of both volunteering, but I also ended up joining the board of directors of a few companies and, and uh, like sort of nonprofits and so on. Uh, one of them, I mean, simple things, like one of the business I was on the board on was a, was a nursery. But the thing was that a lot of the other board members were fairly big business owners and the people who had volunteered on the board were actually other business people who had a lot of, of value to share. Mm-hmm. And particularly in, a, in an area where, you know, there wasn't a lot of networking opportunities around, that was, again, it was a great place to be at the point in time and it was super valuable, right? So uh, I love that tip. And I think, I think generally the service mentality is, is fundamental, right? Because like so many people, they just end up like, oh, what's in for me? How can this person help me? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That is never what it's about. Like the first thought you have to think when you're, meeting someone at a network event is how can I help him or her? Yeah. Not how can they help me? Networking is not prospecting. Networking yes. is building long-term relationships that create a really positive ecosystem for everyone to win. You're not hunting at a networking event. Or, or, or you are, you know, I'm not trying to be the boss of everybody, but I have not really had a lot of luck and I don't really enjoy going to a networking event where everyone's shoving business cards at you. Totally, totally agree with that one. Yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, Adam. And uh, yeah, networking is gold. Well, actually, one of, one of my favorite, favorite places to network have actually been a huge international organization that is everywhere in the world. And in principle, it's not about networking at all, but it's Toastmasters. So I'm not sure huh. if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Uh, Toastmasters is basically a public speaking organization, but what I really loved about it is that it's such a mix of really positive people who want to do things. So what I, what's really great with Toastmasters is that one, it's generally people who have to pay out of their own pocket, which means like it's, it's rare that it's companies paying for it or whatever. Right. So it's people who choose to pay out of their own pocket to go to a, event to improve themselves and coming back to what i said earlier about personal development one of my key experiences have always been that you know people who get off the couch on a rainy day and you know get move their ass into an event and meet other people and stuff is generally the types of people that i want to hang around good point absolutely i you know i've done uh toastmasters for a little bit but i i left when i felt like i have uh, checked the box around, oh, I, I, I'm a, I've, I've improved my speaking skills. I, I improved standing in front of human beings. But now that you said that out loud, some of the best connections I had made in that local area were through that Toastmasters uh, experience. It just blows my mind how many, you, you get up and you get out and you meet people and you get results. Yep. So cool. Yep. Awesome. Right. The, the whole growth management thing and, and how, how to sort of grow to that experience 
any other sort of tips? Because I, th- I think that's something that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are really struggling with. So any other kind of tips that have really helped you in terms of how to go through that phase? Yeah. So um, I believe there are four stages of the business. It's when you start the business. It's when you finally begin to get the, uh, the traction with some employees. It's then when you um, have the employees doing a lot of the work, but you're kind of working and, and business is happening through you and then finally going away, just like you described. Um, but the thing is, is that you use different techniques and different uh, management strategies at each of those levels. And so each time you transition from one phase to another, you need to look at how you're leveraging people, systems, and processes. And the people thing is often um, the most neglected because we all get that, okay, we're going to need a new sales system. Okay, we need new business processes as our customers grow and all the things. But then we keep shoving human beings into those jobs without giving them the the kind of attention that we've already talked about. And so you will have a lot of problems with scaling and growth if you don't make the growth of your people a high priority along the way. And, but what, what I don't suggest is you just uh, approach this as a, as a, Hey, personal growth, go do that sit down, come up with an actual business vision, work backwards from there so that you have the, the, the scaffolding of a business um, you know, system, a, a, a business plan to go where you want to go, and then look at the people who you would need in there. You're able to then go back to the people who are already working for you and saying, this is what we're building. Do you see something that's super interesting that you would like to work on, that I can give you the resources that let you grow into that position. Or if nothing that we're doing here is interesting to you, where do you want to go next so I can equip you to have the best launch away from my company as possible? Because, you know, these aren't life sentences. People should not be expected to stay with your company forever. And I think that if they're giving you the time and the energy and really putting in the work to help you go from phase to phase to phase, that you have the responsibility as well to help them launch into their next thing. But they, the, the where this all falls apart is if you're not on the same page and you're not having conversations. And so if you as the business owner don't have some kind of vision of where you want to go, you're just stumbling through business and that ends up harming a lot of people and including your pocketbook. You just don't realize the growth that you should moving from phase to phase. If you don't take this management stuff seriously and you don't share the vision with the people who you're supposed to be working with. Yep. Totally, totally agree. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I like the way you, I like the way you put it because it, it is really that critically important. Right. And it's, it's always one of these things that people are like, oh, yeah, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. But <laughs> later never appears, right? Yeah, right. And that's, yeah, it, it's, it holds you back so easily if, if it's not clear. And also just in terms of your own sort of management and, and how you actually achieve things yourself, right? I mean, if, you, if you're unclear on these things, it, it's just going to make the journey so much harder for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say, hey, adopt some system. I don't care what it is. I don't care, you know, but but having, it's okay to not know what to do. We're learning as we go, right? The business owner doesn't know how to do all this stuff yet. So it is completely appropriate to get some answers wrong. But if you can adopt some kind of system, 
and you can adopt some kind of strategic growth system, uh, that's a good guidepost to go through uh, and, and to use and then abandon when it no longer fits your needs. But it's so hard to create this stuff from scratch. Working with a coach, working with a system, working with a community, those are the things that let you make these transitions and to train your people the most effectively, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And uh, it's, I mean, I've, I've always been a, been a lifelong addict to coaches, I would nearly say, right? Like, because I just understand how you can shortcut a process, right? Like, I've started going to the gym like a couple of years ago and, you know, it's easy to go yourself, stand in the gym, you don't know what you're doing, uh-huh. you're <laughs> staring at some machine, you're doing some stuff and, and seeing no value, right? Or yeah. seeing very, very little benefit. Now, if you get someone who is just, you know, they don't need to be the expert of the expert, but just someone that's five steps ahead of you and have gone through some of the same stuff and you get their help, mm-hmm. like you just, you, you progress is that much faster which in turn helps you with motivation and it helps you with everything. Because for most people, if they go do something like the gym and they see no improvements, you know, they stop. Because why should you do something that brings you no improvement? And the business is exactly the same thing, right? If, yep. if people are like, oh, I've been working on this delegation, but I'm not getting anywhere, you know, screw that. Or, you know, I'm working on this hiring thing and I hire people and they always suck and like, oh, I can't hire people. And, uh, or, or the one I have, business owners saying, oh, I can't manage people. I mean, probably 80% of the clients I've ever worked with have literally come to me and said, oh, I, don't, I can't manage people. Yeah. Like, can I just hire someone to do it? And I'm like, you, you can to some extent, but it's probably one of the most valuable skills to actually learn. And the, the thing is, people think it's so difficult. Like they, they think it's like, you know, a 20-year journey, but it's not about being the expert from day one, right? It's because mm-hmm. it's about one step at a time. So you need to be better than you were yesterday. And if you keep learning, if you keep growing, most people really grow into loving management, right? Like a lot of people when, and, and it's typical because if you don't know and you're not getting good results, it's hard to like something. But when you actually start learning, when you start understanding and you start seeing results, then it becomes so much more fun to actually do it, right? And, and most people end up in situations where they, they love management because just like you and I have just said, right, it's, it's really fulfilling the way you can impact other people's life. And majority of human beings really enjoy that. It's so good. 100% yeah. agree. Excellent. Excellent. Adam, before we finish anything else that you really think would be super valuable to share with the audience? You know, honestly, I feel like um, we have dropped a lot of wisdom right now and I want to give their brain a rest. (laughs) Sounds Uh, good. (laughs) Because because you're right. This is a such a complex, but wonderful thing. Well, I I guess my last little piece of wisdom here is um, the journey isn't pass or fail. Every, if you get 1% better, Every week at leadership, it returns 10% more value. It is very, very important to give yourself time to become a good leader, a good manager, just like you're giving other people time to become good leaders and good managers. And it is, the, the return is disproportionate to the effort you put in. It is literally the best way to scale your business is to work on your management and leadership skills. Yep. Couldn't agree more. 
Couldn't agree more. Now, Adam, if people are desperate to reach out to you and talk, what's the best way to do that? Well, I recently deleted my TikTok account, so you can't get me through TikTok. Uh, but you can find me at adamandersonceo.com. That's where I do most of my digital transformation work. That's where uh, our fund is located out of. So when we're looking at uh, mergers and acquisitions, and that's where we do a lot of our ideation work where we help folks think about business. But uh, yeah, I would love to chat with anybody. Um, we've got a form there if you would like to reach out. That's uh, adamandersonceo.com. Fantastic. Adam, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. So thank you very much for generously giving your time up for this and uh, yeah amazing thank you amazing yeah, i really enjoyed it really enjoyed it thank you so much excellent have a great time and for the audience we'll be back again next week i hope you enjoyed this week's episode thank you for listening to the mad singers management podcast please leave a review it means the world to us you can also learn more about management at madsingers.com